We've been doing a collection of talks, and if you're new to our space, for the next few minutes, I'm going to tell the story of Jesus, his love, his grace, his goodness, and then the band's going to come back, and we're going to sing songs that we believe are very true about our God. Um, but this environment is dedicated um, to, to one kind of person, a human. Um, if you're human, um, you, you are welcome here, and in some cases, even some animals. But if you're human, you are welcome here. I mean, there's service animals and others, but if you're a human, uh, we got way more in common than we don't. Um, I know you may feel like an outsider because you're like, I don't even know if I believe in God or religion or ah, I don't know what this is right now. Um, actually, you and I, we're both humans, and we're trying to figure out what the point of this whole thing is. Why am I on earth? What is the point? Is it bigger than the nine to five and the checkings and the savings? Um, is it bigger than a degree? Is it bigger than status? Is it bigger than career? Is it bigger than renown? And uh, we'd like to suggest that it is. At the very least, I believe you'll be encouraged tonight, um, and you're going to find out the answer to everything for this guy uh, is Jesus. And I believe he's real. I believe he's God. I believe he forgave me of my sins, and I will never be the same again. I am so in love with him. He has made my life worth living. So what we're doing is we're going to the teachings of Jesus and um, it's in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 39. We've used this verse to frame now six or seven different talks or sermons or messages. In Matthew 10, 39, Jesus is quoted saying, whoever finds his life, that is whoever tries to control his life, whoever tries to own his own life, dictate his own life, determine his own life, direct his own life, you'll lose it like sand through your hand. But whoever lets go or loses or lays down his life because of what you've heard and seen in Jesus, you'll actually find the life you're looking for. You'll find the life. Jesus is quoted later as saying, I've come that you might have life and more abundantly, an abundant life. So the life that Jesus offers is no ordinary life. It is a life of deep lasting joy, meaning, satisfaction, contentment, and peace. Now, if you don't want that, um, you should. <laughs> I almost said, then get out of here. But I'm like, no, that's, that negates what I just said a few moments ago. You, know, like, you just said we're all welcome here. Not if you don't want that. Um, <laughs> oh, man, I love you guys so much. Um, Funny stories are coming to mind. I gotta move on. Uh, but this is my first sermon as a 40-year-old, so I might lose my train of thought. I might, you know what I mean? Over the hill, man. What are we gonna do? So we've been talking about this verse. Uh, you've been in church for any length of time. A verse like this preaches well. Everybody likes it. It's like, let go of your life. Lay down your life. And everybody's like, let go. Lay down. And it's like, this is amazing. All for Jesus. And we have little crosses, and we throw them in the fire, and we're just like, ah, yeah, ah. And then, like, we wake up the next morning. We get in our, the minivan, and we try to make it, like, to school. And it's like, I don't even know what that actually means, though. I threw a popsicle stick cross in a fire. I said, Jesus... Take, take, take it all. Like I did all of that, and then what does that, what does that mean? I still brush my teeth. I still mostly put on deodorant. So what does it actually mean to let go? And that's what we've been talking about. Um, so we've been going different stories in Jesus' life and ministry to try to understand what would it actually mean to let go of your life, to relinquish control, to live a life of faith, to live a life of trust. And I'd like to take you to a very interesting story tonight. It is actually the beginnings of the birth of Jesus. And I want to look at Jesus' temporary dad. Some call him stepdad. He is Joseph. We can call him Joe tonight. But go with me to Matthew chapter 10, if you have a Bible, excuse me, Matthew chapter 1. And I want to read just a few verses and then make a few observations of what letting go of your life really means. So remember the title of these talks, if you haven't been around, is what does letting go of my life mean? That's the title. <laughs> I think it's funny because it's so obvious. But anyways, Matthew chapter one, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. 
But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So verse 24 Oh, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And verse 24, when Joseph woke up from the sleep, he did exactly as the angel had commanded him. He took his wife, which is to say he literally, he took Mary and they, they went home. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. What does it mean to let go of your life? I think it's pretty obvious in those few verses we've just read. Joseph had to let go of some very considerable things to allow Jesus into his life. What does it mean to let go of your life in light of Jesus? Will you pray with me? God, I love you so much. I think you're so big and so real and so amazing. And I just stopped for a moment to consider how many different things are on people's minds and hearts right now in this single moment. How many things are on our radar, on our to-do list? How many things are weighing us down? How many things are exciting us and thrilling us? And how many things are stretching us thin and making us feel worried and fearful? Lord, I ask that you'd take this ordinary moment and you would use it to speak to those real life things we're experiencing. Speak to our real situation. Help us not just have church tonight. We do not just need rhetoric or religious tradition and custom. Help us not just shout amen and not actually absorb what's happening. Help us, Lord. We love you. Um, uh, the Hawks are going to London, Jesus, uh, with the Raiders. Not too worried about them, but help us to beat the Raiders and help the Rams lose everything in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. I'm working through bitterness. Some of those calls were brutal on Sunday, I'm just saying, and I'm not going to go there because you know what I'm going to do? Oh, that's right. Let it go. <laughs> it's my first day in my 40s, and what I'm about to tell you happened on this day, and it is 100% a true story. Approximately four hours ago, I was finishing the, 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 the writing process of what is known as this sermon. It's like, Judah, why are you talking so dramatic? And I had my headphones on. Does anyone else get spooked when they have headphones on? I always think I hear something. I pull out my headphones. I'm like, all right, put them back. I'm very much that way, a little jumpy. Um, and so I'm listening to worship music, and I'm, I'm, I'm praying for you by name. Not maybe totally true, but... I'm praying for our church, praying for tonight, and I'm, I'm finishing up my thoughts. And as God is my witness, this is no word of a lie, Jesus appears to me. And I'm convinced, that I'm not joking. I'm thinking, I knew it. My heart starts to race. My palms start sweating. This literally happened approximately four hours ago. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. And I'm gonna show you a picture of what I believe to be was an appearance of Jesus at my house. Can you see him? Please don't laugh. This is real. So, I, do you not see Jesus in the trees? This, is a, this happened four hours ago. And I go, oh my God. Jesus, 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 right? Because I'm like, that's when you see him, they say, holy, 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 holy. So my heart starts pounding, and I'm like, this is, he's come, he's come to speak to me. This is, I'm in my 40s, I've become, that's a significant number in the Bible, and I'm like, he's, he's like, he's in a robe, Jesus is always, I know it's him because he's in a robe. You think I'm joking, so I'm like, oh my God. And then, like, Chelsea's in watching a movie, but then, <laughs> that's a true story, she's watching a movie, she's watching Pearl Harbor, and, and, uh, it's true. But I don't know what to say, because I don't, I don't know what, and I'm like, Chell, Chell, I can't, it's Jesus. And so, <laughs> I, I promise you this is real, and it's embarrassing, but it's true. So then, if you pan out on the photo, it's a window, and um, I'm getting emotional. 
if this all happened it, not in a long, it's like, how long did it take for you to realize that's a reflection of one of your outdoor umbrellas? <laughs> Approximately two minutes, one of the best two minutes of my life. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> it was, man. I was like, he's here! Holy, holy, holy! So I kind of scoot closer to the window. My, if there was a video, it would, it, my life would be over. And I get close to the window and I'm like, I can't believe, why, is this an angel? I, but I think it's him. And then I look close, closer and I go like this and I look through the other window and I'm like, that's the exact shape of the top of the umbrella. <laughs> um, but man, am I ready to preach tonight because he has appeared to me. <laughs> It's a new umbrella, though. Oh, man. So um, what does that have to do with my sermon? Not a lot. Or if it was him, everything. But it, it, it wasn't. So um, back to Joseph. Um, what does it mean? Can't believe that happened. What does it mean to let it go? Let it go. Let it go. It's an umbrella, Judah. Let it go. What does it mean to let it go? Here we have, of course, not a story from the adult ministry life of Jesus, but this is the virgin birth. This is the supernatural birth. And I, I love culture. I love customs, traditions. There, I think there's a lot of beauty in, in all that. But of course, the virgin birth now, um, not only is it obviously Christmas and the holidays, it's this uh, warm, fuzzy, wonderful scented candle uh, uh, nativity. It's just, it's, it's so warm and fuzzy and beautiful. But of course, when it actually happened, it was a nightmare socially, completely. Like Joseph's life is about to be over as he knows it. Notice the Bible says, we read a moment ago, he was a just Man. So Joseph is young. He's probably in his late teens, maybe early 20s. We think Mary could be 13, 14, 15, 16, right in there, kind of a ballpark figures. But to give you a little bit of an idea, Joseph's five, maybe six years older than Mary. And, and, and by now, he's kind of gone through the teenage years, the tween years, and he's, he's got a bit of a reputation, doesn't he? Evidently, he follows through. Evidently, he's a sharp guy. Evidently, he's a guy that is very just and, and kind and considerate and empathetic. And Joseph is, oh, well, he's an all-around good guy. I mean, if you're looking for a guy for your daughter to marry, Joe is your kind of guy. He's a great guy. He's a just guy. But the Bible says, poor Joe, he has no idea that he's going to be the temporary father to God. <laughs> so he's gotten betrothed, the Bible says. Now, betrothed in, in, in ancient time, it, 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 some have said it's like engagement. It, it is, but it isn't. To be betrothed in Jesus' day was as good as married. So they, they, Mary and Joseph are, are married in our modern terms. They're married, but it's a, an extended season where they live apart, they have separate lives, but they're treated as if they're married, and they kind of prove their loyalty and faithfulness and self-control to each other. So it's like being married, but saying like for an extended period of time, like no sex, no messing around, like take care of each other and, and just like have good talks. So they're betrothed. The problem with betrothed, it's not like engagement. You can't, you know, and, and, and a broken engagement hurts in our times. So I don't mean to belittle that, but it's different. It's not a divorce. In these days, in these ancient times, to, to, to remove the betrothment mean you'd have to file for divorce. Furthermore, it should be noted that to be unfaithful during betrothal would be worse than being unfaithful during actual post-betrothal and full-fledged marriage. According to the law, it is absolutely despicable in the extended time in which you are establishing and proving your faithfulness, it is unthinkable that you would cheat on someone you're betrothed with. Furthermore, the law stated that if you slept with someone who was betrothed, even if you weren't betrothed, you could come up under execution. So this wasn't something to mess around with. Now, I love it because come December time, so a bunch of preachers are going to read this and be like, and this was the birth of Jesus, and God came to Mary, and she was betrothed to Joseph, and they came together and was found, I love this, found with child 
from the Holy Spirit. That sounds so beautiful unless it's you. Joseph and Mary are not really affluent. Joseph and Mary are not well known. Joseph and Mary don't even live in a culture center. Joseph and Mary are very average. Joseph's a good guy. Mary evidently has a lot of, a lot of faith. We'll find that out. But pretty average people living in a pretty average town. Joseph's got a plan, you know. He's got a plan. By the way, you don't get betrothed in those days without a plan. In fact, it should be noted but that betrothals oftentimes were chosen, if not most of the time, were chosen for the individuals. So it, it is safe to say, probably most likely, Joseph was betrothed to Mary when they were children. This is not a matter of love. This is a matter of choice. In Jesus' days, people would be, they would be arranged marriages, like Chelsea and I, arranged marriages, <laughs> and then you would grow into love. And she certainly has learned to love me. Right, so you grow into love. So a lot of people have made Joseph out like he did not want to make a public spectacle and divorce her because he loved Mary. No, he, he actually didn't love Mary. He was just a very good man. Mary was chosen for him. He did not choose Mary. It's a very ordinary couple. So you can see why Joseph struggles with this idea that Mary has a baby from God. For instance, how did that phone call go? Because I think Mary did it over the phone. <laughs> Joseph picks the phone. Hey, girl, what's up? Where you been now? <laughs> hey, you good? You must be tired, girl. <laughs> Joseph, stop. Why would I be tired? Because you've been running around my head all day. <laughs> hey, <laughs> girl. <laughs> but what you doing now? Joseph, just stop and listen. I, I'm being serious. I'm being serious too, girl. Please. Listen, I have to tell you something. I got to tell you something too. I love you. Joseph, just be serious for one second. Oh, come on, relax. I'm serious. What's on your mind? Well, um, something happened today. Well, what happened? Um... You're gonna think I'm crazy. Girl, I love you, I'm with you, please. I choose you. I didn't know you, but I have learned to love you, girl. Um, well, what happened was um, I was doing the laundry and my mom stepped out and then um, this really bright light. And I, for a second I thought, I just thought it was like one of the helicopters flying around with the spotlight in the city. And, and is this in LA? And, um, <laughs> me. <laughs> and um, I <laughs> got me. So um, I didn't prepare that one. And um, what happened was, Joe, um, I was in the laundry room and then all of a sudden this, this, this bright light and then, and then I think it was an angel. Mary, be real. I'm I'm, just listen to what I'm saying. You men never listen. Just listen. Let me finish my story. All right, all right, all right. I picked that up in premarital counseling. I get it. So the angel stands up for a second. I'm stunned. And he, he says, I got really good news. And well, the first thing he said, Joe, I was like, don't be afraid because I was terrified. I was shaking. I wish you were there to hold me. I do too, baby. I do too. <laughs> so he said, like, he said, like, um, don't be afraid because um, you're favored and, and I'm the one. Uh, Mary, what do you mean you're the one? Well, oh, God, Joe, you're going to think I'm crazy. The, the angel said um, that I'm, I'm going to have a special baby. Oh, we're going to have lots of special babies, girl. <laughs> no, like, like we're going like to have the baby. What are you talking about, the baby? Joseph, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You're in synagogue as much as I am. You know what I'm talking about. What? You talking about the baby? Mary, be serious. I'm, it happened in the laundry room. He told me I'm going to have the Messiah. The Messiah? All right, Mary. All right. Who is he? What's his name? <laughs> Tell me the truth, girl. What's his name? I'm going to track him down. 
Joe, I told you, I've been faithful. I've never slept with anyone, and yet you're about to have a baby. And how do you explain this? It wasn't a man. It was God. Oh, this is sick, Mary. God does not impregnate people. Ugh. What's wrong with you? Joseph, I thought you would be there for me. I need you so bad right now. I'm emotional. I'm pregnant. And you don't even care. I'm trying to care. You have to make sense. Don't yell at me. I'm not yelling. I'm passionate. It's in my family. Right? And, and I tell you that ridiculous illustration because it was that real. Like, it was that real. If someone today that you were dating, right, and it's like, hey, I'm pregnant, God did it, bop, bop, bop. You'd be like, dude, please never reach out to me again, ever talk to me again. You're what we call a creep. So, so that's where Joe's at. God is officially ruining Joe's life, or so it feels. So he, he does what any good guy does when drama breaks out. He went to sleep. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. So he goes to sleep, and God is so good, so gracious. He, he says, listen, this is God. This is an angel of the Lord. Um, it's, it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. By the grace of God, Joe receives the dream, and he wakes up, and it's it's such a short, like, I think it's verse 24 on, just a few verses where it's like, he woke up from the dream, did exactly what the Lord commanded, took his wife home. So literally, it would have been like, Mary, pack your things. I'm, I'm officially, we're, we're doing this. Now, can you imagine how that must have felt? As Joseph showed up at her parents' house with her there, and she's probably on her bed weeping, and Joseph shows up, and mom and dad are like, hello, son, how are you? Um, is Mary there? Oh, yeah, she here. I don't know if she wants to see you, I'll tell you that much. He's like, I, I, got, I got some good news. Mary comes out to the front porch. He's like, hey, um, oh my God. Um, I think like the same angel showed up in my dream. She's like, what? Oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, Joseph, I love you. He's like, I love you too. Our life's gonna be ruined, you know that, right? Yes, but we'll be together. <laughs> And they, and they hug each other. Like, what am I, I turned 40, and now, what is this, a dramatic presentation? What is this, a sitcom? From Canada. Um, but, uh, so it's, <laughs> I was up at 4.45 in the morning, ladies and gentlemen. That's when I went to bed, okay? So anything could happen. So, three observations. I think we can make that Joseph illustrates for us what it means to let go, and the first is very clear. Joe was going to have to let go of being understood. When Jesus says, let go of your life so you can find your life, one of the things we try to control very often in our human experience is we want to ensure that everybody understands us, that everybody knows why we live the way we live, that everybody gets the decisions we make, that everybody looks at us and goes, wow, you make perfect sense, you're incredible, wonderful human, we all love you, you have no haters, you're the best. But the problem with following God is he operates from a different realm, a supernatural realm, a realm outside of this realm, and so he does the impossible, he thinks beyond the realm of our five sentences, <laughs> or senses, he lives Beyond that, and so he'll say things that don't make sense to us. He'll tell us to do stuff that don't socially fit in down here. But, well, that's not how we do it out on these streets in L.A. And he's like, I'm not from L.A. I made L.A. So I need you to, right? And so if you want to be understood for the rest of your life, following Jesus may not be the most effective path. Because when it comes to following Jesus, you're going to have to learn, and probably seasonally, 
probably in phases where you have to say, no one's about to understand the decision I'm about to make and I want to explain it to everybody and I want to send out a big tweet. <laughs> but what I need to do is just let it go. I'm going to be misunderstood following Jesus. Can I give you just a really obvious example? A really obvious, you know how many conversations I've had lately and it was around you know, people keeping themselves sexually for marriage. Nowadays, people are like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, so like, as a pastor, like, I kind of encourage people, like, don't have sex. What do you mean don't have sex? You gotta, you gotta take it for a chest drive before you, you know. Like, what? Well, please stop using that analogy, ladies and gentlemen. It's just not okay. Take that thing out for a chest drive. <laughs> I need to get more sleep. <laughs> but now, it, like, if you're not out, you know, test driving, people think, like, what's wrong with you? I mean, we could, we could run around the street trying to tell everybody, nothing's wrong with me. I just love Jesus, and I want to follow him, and I believe his moral standards are excellent, and I want to be his, and, and I believe that he, his way is the best way, even though it's the hardest, and, and sometimes I'm very lonely, and all I have is Fortnite, you know, like, but... <laughs> <laughs> and my friends online on Fortnite. So, so, but yeah, yeah, there's actually a lot of things that Jesus points and teaches and commissions us and calls us to do that actually people won't understand. Can you imagine if social media, if all of us together said, we will no longer use social media to defend ourselves so that we feel understood? That place would be somewhat improved. So much of our energy we use to, hey, hey, where, excuse me, what'd you say to me? You, you, you don't, you don't, you don't know me. You need to, you, you don't, like, you even know what it's like to spend a day in my shoes. I don't. Like, no one, you're, you're right. And when it comes to following, you know how dramatic this was? I'll tell you how dramatic it was. Did it ever occur to us that when Joseph decides not to sleep with his pregnant wife, which is approximately nine months, that's impossible for me, but Joe did it. Nine months of no sex, right? And, 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 and it was, he was real excited. Do you know, you know, had he had sex with Mary, it would have minimized the misunderstanding. Think about it. All right, we're gonna move in together and we're gonna have sex, and we'll kind of let everybody know we did, and then they, if, if they don't do the time right as your belly grows, it'll, it'll just be mine, right? And people don't need to know. But he made it clear, how committed is Joe to letting go of being misunderstood? Ladies and gentlemen, this man did not live in a big town. There's no cafe he can hide. There's no gas station he can avoid. This is the ancient world. This is small town headquarters. Everybody's pointing. Everybody's whispering. Everybody's got commentary. Everybody. His family is shamed forever. Joseph is never the just man he once was. Now, the narrative on Joe, he doesn't even care about the law. He condones. His wife should be executed, but he protected her because she was unfaithful during the betrothal. Did you know that Jesus was considered a child from out of wedlock? Did you know that? His entire life? His entire life he was mocked? His entire life, I won't even use the words that they, it's inferred in the narrative that was used towards him. People believed he was the result of a one-night stand from his mom, Mary. That was the narrative. And Joseph had to bear that for the rest of his life. Who wants to follow Jesus? You know, it's like, oh, I don't know, Judah. In your 40s, you're a little negative. <laughs> but you, you got to understand, when it comes to laying down your life, I think sometimes, again, burning the cross and the proverbial fire feels good, but it might mean being misunderstood. Being misunderstood. And to 
go where we need to go and to reach the people God's called us to reach, it's going to take individuals who can relinquish probably seasonally to remind yourself, I'm not here to defend myself. I'm not here to prove that I'm right. I'm not here to prove that they're wrong. I can relinquish that and I can spend my valuable emotional energy on representing Jesus, his grace, and his love where people are hurting and broken. I think by the grace of God, we can learn like Joe. And it might cost us a lot to let go of being understood. Have you ever like thought up for a moment how much energy you put into being understood? How much energy? And yet I wonder if sometimes we can refocus that energy to just doing what God told us to do. Joseph is an incredible inspiration. Second observation I wanna make, and we won't go much longer tonight. Joseph had to let go of his future. He had to let go of his future. The future is an interesting thing, and our relationship to the future is very interesting. And much is made, and it's a billion dollar industry, the future, you know. We write about the future. We do stories about the future. We've always been infatuated with the future. It's human nature. What will happen in the future, the future, the future? Right, am I the only one? It's like, it's 2018. Why are we not flying in cars? They told us we would in 88, you know? Like, this is crazy. Um, but we're always, and we overstate the future. The future is always the best. It's always the future. I love the future. The future is going to be amazing. It's going to work out. It's the future. And, and by, by emphasizing the future, we minimize the pain we're in right now because now doesn't seem very dreamy and exciting in paradise or anything like that. And so the future, the future, the future, the future, the future. And, and, and Joseph has to let go of his future. He has to let go. Watch how fast he has to let go. Jesus is born and they get to move to Egypt. Now to you, geographically, you're like, cool, yeah, the pyramids, those are cool. Egypt's a great spot, great hotels, I love Egypt. Um, if you're Joseph and Mary, the young Jewish couple from a small town in Israel, moving to Egypt is a nightmare. It's a nightmare, socially, relationally, community-wise. We think for the first two years of the Messiah's life, he lived in Egypt. He lived in Egypt. You gotta let go of your future. I'm telling you, Jesus comes into your life and you said, man, I'm a, man, we gonna, we gonna live in Bethlehem. Woo! I love Bethlehem. Oh my gosh, no smog, clean air. Oh man, I love Bethlehem. And God's like, in a dream, again, you gotta go. I don't wanna go. I like Bethlehem. I like my cafe. I like my buddies. I like the football buddies from high school. It's safe, it's secure. I like it, it's my life, I'm in control. No, I don't wanna go to Egypt. Egypt's big, big pyramids, smog, not, not fun. I don't know anyone there. I'm from a different culture. I don't wanna do that, no. The moment Jesus arrives, there's movement. The moment Jesus arrives, there's relocation. The moment Jesus arrives, there's disruption of convention. And now, I want you just to let this sink in. Our Messiah, our Savior, for the first two years of his life is in an unknown land called Egypt where he is generally not welcomed or celebrated. And Joseph and Mary, I mean, what did their afternoons look like? Probably not real eventful, probably not real enjoyable. But what were they doing? Following Jesus. Mary and Joseph, were, they, they got baby Jesus and they're following baby Jesus. God's like, you gotta go to Egypt. I want to tell you, when you follow Jesus, he's going to disrupt your regularly scheduled program. And by the way, one of the good signs when it comes to following Jesus is that your regularly scheduled program is disrupted. There are people in here, you came tonight hoping that I could fix your disruption. But your disruption is from God. And my job is not to fix your disruption, it's to amplify your disruption so you can see the source of your disruption, which is God himself. He is stirring you up and will not let you settle. You've got to let go of the future. You've got to let go of your 10-year plan. There ain't nothing wrong with making a plan as, you, as long as you embrace the scripture that says man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. And we love that verse, and we want to put it, we want to crochet it, or we want to embroider it, or we want to paint it in our house. But what it means is when God, you, what it means is you're going to make your plans, and God's going to change them and direct your steps. 
That's what it means. God's like, make your plans. I'm proud of you. It's cute. But I'm going to direct your steps. I'm standing up here in a Canadian tuxedo in Beverly Hills. And I had no plans to be here. Avoided this city like the plague, particularly LAX. Absolutely. People would say, you like LA? No. I'm Northwest, Seattle, born and bred, Portland, Seattle, clean air, trees, amazing. Costco, Starbucks, Google, Microsoft. Do I have to go on? But then I made my plans and God disrupted my steps. He directed. Some of you right now are in the intersection. You're actually emotionally, internally, spiritually in the intersection and you're like, make it stop! And God's like, what do you mean? Following me? That's what, yeah. You're like, God, what, why do I, oh, I just, I just don't even, I don't know, I just, I feel like I need to, like, this job, you know, like, make my job better. Give me a raise. And God's like, it's, it's not the raise. I, I'll, I'll bless you. I, I'm trying to move you. James, James chapter 4, verses 13, 14, 15. Look, look at this. This is so helpful, so practical. Come, come now. You who say today or tomorrow, um, I'm going to go into such and such a town. I'm going to spend a year there. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to move to the desert. I'm going to move to Santa Barbara. I'm going to go to L.A. I'm going to go to Dallas. I'm going to go to Austin. I'm going to go you know, start whatever. And, and you just, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. James goes, Hey. You can't talk like that. Stop. No, you're you following Jesus. And watch what James says. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. Or what is your life? For you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. That's not a, that's not a mention of your value. It's a mention of brevity of life. And the point is, make it count. Don't spend your whole life bouncing around towns just because it's fun and it's kicks and giggles. When it comes to Jesus, he designed you, made you, and called you. Instead, you ought to talk like this. If this is what God wants me to do, I'm going to move to Dallas. And we will live and do this or that, if that's what God wants. You ever write, read, read the writings of Paul, and I won't, I won't digress too far, but, but, but there's multiple sections where Paul will say, I can't wait to see you if the Lord permits by God's grace, I'll see you this summer if that's what he wants. And honestly, Paul, the apostle who writes half the New Testament, sometimes sounds like the most insecure person you've ever read. He's like, if that's what he wants, if that's what I should do, but I don't know, I'm going to pray, I'm going to trust, I'm going to listen, I'm a, so I may not, I'm going to have Cheerios, maybe not, I might have Frosted Flakes, he'll direct me. You know, that's a little too extreme. But Because Paul learned, i got to let that go. And my life belongs to God. My life belongs to God. I wonder if some of the disruption you and I feel a little bit is from a good God. Now listen, he doesn't author confusion. If your disruption is confusion, that's not from God. If you feel cloudy and confused, that's not from God. Now if you feel like you're taking a step into the unknown and you don't understand it all, that very well could be God. But I'm talking about an internal disruption not with hopelessness, but a disruption that has a twinge of, I think maybe God has something else in store. That's what I'm talking about. And Joe got a twinge called a dream. God's faithful. He said, you better do this. This is real. And Joe woke up and was like, I'm going to do this. But it wasn't, it wasn't, it, that didn't remove the pain or the difficulty. It was like, he, God, I had a future. And it was Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Bethlehem. And I think it's safe to say 20-something Joe had a bit of a reputation around town. He's probably good-looking, too. Some people are like, that's Joe. He's going to be a mayor someday at Bethlehem. Joe, my man. Months later, Joe's in Egypt going, what am I doing here? I'm going to wear mascara. <laughs> Did you get that? But you know what we do? We go from Bethlehem to Egypt because Jesus is in our life. And we go, hey! This can't be God. What can't be God? I'm in a foreign land where I don't fit in. There's no way that's God. 
Now, that doesn't sound at all like the children of Israel going into the promised land. That's a big section of the Torah, folks. This can't be God. I feel like an outsider in a foreign land on a mission. <laughs> Maybe that's God. Which leads me to my third observation. I think we have to let go of being understood, let go of our future, and let go of our results. Let go of our results. Let go of our results. So many times in my life I've stopped doing something that I'm pretty sure God told me to do because I just didn't see any results. I was like, God, if this is you, I'd get the results. Now, when we talk like that, what we mean is, God, if this was you, I'd get the results I want. So since I'm not getting the results I want, I'm going to abandon ship. But now hear me, Lord. I'm not going to stay in Egypt, but I will serve you in Bethlehem. And he's like, son, I, I called you. Let go of the results. Can, can we admit, just as we conclude here in the next few minutes, how result-oriented we are? And that is going to create incredible consternation in your journey with Jesus. Because God, how should I say, tallies the score different than you and me. Different than you and me. Like, um, for instance, Joseph was Joe in Bethlehem with Mary. He accepts the reality that he's going to be the temporary dad for God. And his life goes from ordinary Joe in little Bethlehem to now playing a considerable role in the most important story in the world. And do you know what happens to his life? Like, I wish I could tell you Joe was there. What do you mean there? He was at the foot of the cross with Mary. And they stood there when Jesus was crucified and they wept together. But then on the third day, he rose again and Mary and Joseph were there. And they saw it with their own eyes. But did you notice? Joe's nowhere to be found in Jesus' adult ministry life. You know why? Because he died. Mary was at the foot of the cross. Joe, he went on. I mean, am I the only one that reads this stuff and is like, come on, this guy's got to catch a break. This guy relinquishes his good name. He gives up his life plan, probably to be the big deal in Bethlehem lives in Egypt, comes back Nazareth, and just has a very difficult life, by the way. Do you know Jesus' brothers and sisters did not believe him? So Joe's navigating like, Boy, no, you guys, your brother, he is God. No, Dad, I mean, this is a very difficult scene. This is Joe's life. He works as a carpenter, and he tries to keep his family together, who one of the siblings happens to be God. And we never hear from him again. Almost all scholars agree, probably by Jesus' early teens, Joseph died at an early age. <laughs> God, what is the message? Trust me with the results. Trust me with the results. Even if you don't see them. Even if you don't think you see them. Even if you don't think they're ever going to come. See, our life, for those of us that follow Jesus, is not defined by results. It's defined by what he told us to do. And what did he tell you to do? Just do that. And whatever come, let it come. Come as it may, this is what God called me to do. And the results are up to God. Think about it, though. Think about it. Think about it. I know Joe didn't see the results, but how much did he affect the results? Think about it, think about it. Last week we talked about John chapter eight. I'm ending right here, I'm done, I'm done. John chapter eight, do, do you remember the scene? It's a woman, probably naked or barely in a sheet, and she got caught in the act of sex with someone she's not married to, and, 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 and Pharisees and scribes bring her, and they put her in the middle of basically a circle, and Jesus is there, and remember that they pester him, hey, what do you say, 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 what do you say? 
Can I submit something just out of pure biblical curiosity? Did it ever enter Jesus' mind when he sits there looking at this woman who has been calling, she's, she's being called an adulterer? I don't know. Did Jesus think about his mom? Did he think about his dad? Was he there thinking, they called my mama that too? They call me that in a roundabout way. But I know what my dad did. I know it's his stepdad, but ain't nobody talking about how Joe was a pretty good example for God, if that's even possible. I wonder if Jesus was thinking, my dad had the courage. My temporary dad had the courage. See, that's why I think when the angel comes to Joseph in a dream, he says, son of David. Now, 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 now you, you, you may not know this, but, but Joe is an ordinary man with an extraordinary heritage. He's a small little man in a small little town, but he has the heart of a king beating in his chest. He's from the lineage of David. And I wonder if the angel was like, I know you see yourself as a storefront kind of guy, blue collar kind of guy, and that's fine, Joe, but you got to remember that you have a dynasty on the inside of you. Why was the angel saying that to Joe? Because he said, I want you to understand the courage you're already wired with to trust me to face the adversity. And I wonder if Jesus in John 8 just had a moment to say, if Joseph can do it, I can do it. I can stand for the spirit of the law and not succumb to the letter of the law. I, I wonder if like in Gethsemane, that's the garden that Jesus began to sweat blood, perspire blood, because it was there he decided he would go to the cross. He said, if it's fa Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass, but nevertheless, not your will, my, uh, not my will, but your will be, be done. I wonder, I just wonder, I just wonder, I wonder if he thought about Joseph in the garden too. All that his temporary dad had given up by that time long gone. And I wonder if in the garden he thought about Joseph. Oh, Joseph didn't see the results, but he was there. He was there. And his letting go impacted even, could it be, Jesus? Jesus? His parents, the Bible says he was subject to his parents and he learned from his parents. Wow, Joseph faded into the distance of the story. And of course, Jesus is center stage. But let us not forget what a simple, ordinary man with the lineage of a king, with just a measure of trust, what he can do to impact the world, the world. Maybe, just maybe, God's asking you to let go of these things. I'm going to tell you right now, I know for a fact God's asking church home to let go, to let go. We're part of a bigger story now, church. You hear me, and I'm speaking right now from L.A. to Seattle. God is asking our church to let go of some stuff. And I believe God's applying it to our lives. But, but no, no, no. We're going to go where he tells us to go. And some will say, where is the results? And we will say, in the hand of God. We will do what God's told us to do. That's what we're going to do. You too, you know. You too. Next time your brain says, where's the results? You go ahead and remind yourself, in the hand of God. In the hand of God. Oh, I'm not called to results. I'm called ultimately to what he told me to do. You keep doing what he told you to do. You hear me? I'm talking to somebody. You keep doing what he told you to do. You're not, you're not called to do what other people are doing or what other people tell you to do. You're called to do what God tells you to do. You hear me? When you were a child, you thought like a child, you reasoned like a child, but when you became a man, you put away childish things. Nobody dictates your life. You and the Holy Spirit, God's going to speak to you, lead you, guide you. He's going to put a multitude of counselors around you, but you keep doing what you're doing. Please hear me. You keep doing what you're doing. Don't you let restlessness, that agitation is not restlessness. God is encouraging you. You stay at it. You stay faithful. You keep trusting. You keep in the midst of adversity and small, small results. God is faithful. God is true. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but I believe I'm talking to somebody.
Let me pray for you. Jesus, we love you. I thank you for the moments we share as a community. I truly believe that you're talking to us. Teach us to let go of our life. Teach us to lay it down because of you, because of your goodness, because of your grace. We love you so much. If you're here tonight, you say, Judah, I'd like to become a follower of Jesus. Oh, man, you have no idea how good it is. Can I just say that? Your life is going to be forever changed. Oh, there's going to be some challenges and difficulties, but he will never leave you nor forsake you. Only Jesus offers forgiveness. Please hear me. Please know that. Only Jesus. The forgiveness for your error, your wrong, and your sin, past, present, and future. So if you would like to receive that, for that is the only way you can have it, by receiving a gift, because that's what it is, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of right relationship with God through the finished sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. If you believe this and you want to receive it, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand and put it right back down. I believe you know who you are. One, God loves you. Two, you'll never be the same. Three, if that's you, would you shoot your hand up all over the room? So, man, I receive, I receive. It's beautiful, 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 beautiful. Anybody else, just slip up your hand. I include you in this prayer. Jesus, I thank you so much for these individuals. It seems like such a small thing that we raise our hand, but, Lord, you know it's in one moment of faith where we yield our heart and everything is forgiven and we are never the same. We believe in the miraculous saving power you possess and you save us and you forgive us. And Lord, I pray for church home today. I pray for this community, this collection of extraordinary human beings who are here to serve one another and serve you. Teach us, show us how to live like you, to let go of these things that are keeping us from all that you have stored up, laid up, and prepared for us. We thank you, Jesus. Bless your people tonight in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you're physically able or willing, would you stand with us and let's join the band and let's sing out to God.